did get started already. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Vlogcast that comes from a skeptical point of view to answer some of the questions of why. The Vlogcast started as a combination of spite and the Streisand effect because I really hate talk with people on Facebook that really don't understand that, you know, I'm being actually interested in honesty in discussing things. I'm not being pedantic because I like to be pedantic, necessarily. Part of this is to follow through with the old adage, sometimes the journey is more important than the destination. I'm your main host. I'm known as Shujin Tribble all over the place. You can find me pretty much everywhere online under that, S-H-U-J-I-N. Uh, forgive me, I'm fitting, finishing off the last of my uh, Angry Orchard Hard Cider. Yeah, the last bottle. This was actually pretty good. I've had this on the off time, so... L'chaim, I guess. Oh. <clears throat> so... Let me uh, let me go ahead and introduce you to uh, what effectively turns into um, Friday Night Part Two <laughs> from up top left hand corner of the bingo card known as Calgary, Alberta. Good evening, Dallin. Good evening. South me into Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Good morning, Joey. Who are you, people? And we are the voices in your head. Hi. So yeah, it's just oh, the three not. of us at the moment. Um, real quick. Heretic Woman has already said uh, she has to bow out because she's not feeling real good. It's fine. I already told her that, you know, this is a whole voluntary thing, man. You know, you, you hear you're not. It all depends as to what you can do and when. And I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried. Are you OK? She's already said that she's kind of painful, needs to sleep. Don't worry about that, man. We'll <clears throat> dock you a, a week of beer and everything will be fine. <laughs> Apparently that was acceptable to her. So that's actually something I got to talk to her about uh, in the next couple of weeks, because if she's coming up here for the uh, secular conference next month, I should at least have something, you know, I mean, we're probably going to be eating out a couple of times while she's here, but uh, you know, to have a, a, a bevy or two uh, while she's here, you know, might be a good idea. Fair Hi, enough. I'm and sorry. holy okay. shit. Yes, you are. From I sent the you a message. Did she not get it? Uh, Text message. Ah. From the Midwest of the U.S., good evening, Bridget. Good evening. And a text message where? On, on which one phone. of my... No, I have none on my phone currently. Uh, um, it's supposed to be on your phone. I guess it didn't go through, but my husband's still working on my computer all day, and it's now up and running, so hi! Huzzah! Congratulations! Thank you. <laughs> You got you finally got rid of that that nasty blue smoke smell, did you? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> um, okay, for those of you that are not in the uh, in the IT fields, blue smoke smell is a bad thing. It's a very very bad thing. You usually only ever have to smell it once. I've <laughs> not been that lucky. I've 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 I, I can top it. I, so, I can top it. So, in other words, if your computer starts to smell like a diesel engine, probably bad times ahead. Yeah, yeah, you could you could go with that. Yeah, yeah. When the uh, smoke starts pouring out of the computer, looking a lot like um, oh, I don't know, uh, half the visual half the visualizations for Passover that I've seen in the movies, <laughs> it's a bad day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, first time I ever had something like that. It was uh, a borrowed CB radio, a nautical, a, a marine CB radio. 
I didn't realize that uh, Marine CB radios have a switch underneath because automobiles and Marine vehicles have different grounding polarities. Oh dear. And you really shouldn't switch them when it's turned on. Yeah. Um, Good rule to follow. Yeah. uh, I (laughs) learned that one the hard way. And I lied and said that it just happened. <clears throat> so okay, I had a I fine. I, I I admit that I've lied once or twice before in my lifetime. Sorry, not sorry. <gasps> it was a crappy twenty three channel crystal radio. It wasn't like anything was really lost. For those of you that remember the CB craze, you're my people. <gasps> Holy. The vlogcast. And, and for those of you, yeah, and for those of you who are listening to the audio portion, no, it's not Elvis. No, but it's <laughs> almost as good. From over across the pond into Paris. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning. I hope you can hear me. Oh, absolutely. Oh, sure. We can, and I will tell you this much: the day you show up with a pompadour is the day I quit. Wait, what? You know, the last time I went to get my hair cut, the the lady actually, yeah, the lady asked me if I wanted a pompadour, and I kind of looked at her like, I'm sorry, what? What what, what century is this? Yeah, for that, you you need uh, some torn up blue jeans, a black leather jacket, white t-shirt. And three liters of wax. And and, and the the old wax I could get, everything else I've got. You need the old biker style boots that have like the belts that are on yep. them, but don't really serve any purpose. Yep, the engineer boots. That's it. Joseph, welcome back. I've missed you. Oh, <laughs> well, I missed you too. I'm sorry. I've had uh, one hell of a past. This what? Friends. I was going to say life has probably gotten in the way a little bit, eh? Yeah, yeah. That, um, that doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, it's gotten in the way so much I couldn't find it. <laughs> Not a worry. Well, um, there. As always. I'm always glad that you're able to make it. And I, like I was just saying about, uh, about heretic woman, as long as you're okay, that's all that I worry about. And well, she's um, not, she's not here either. Well, I she's, I've been neglecting everybody. I, I wouldn't say it's been neglecting. I mean, if you've had things going on you know, such happens, she's not feeling too great tonight. So she basically said, I need to not be there. And I said, okay, fine. We'll just dock you a week of beer. So it's fine. It's all good. Okay, cool. Well, I hope you guys are all well. For the most very, part. Very few of us can help it when uh, Mother Nature decides to give us a sucker punch in the throat. Yeah, that's true. True enough. What did I miss? Well, uh, I haven't even gotten to the uh, freestyle just yet. It was just greeting everybody and filling everybody in on what's going on. So for those of you that are watching live right now, first off, thank you very much. Please take advantage of the live chat system that's uh, over there and i found out recently that the live chat actually gets stored so if you come back to the video later you can watch and see what was actually going on in the live chat simultaneously with the video so you know i guess we got that going for us because google hangouts doesn't want to use the stupid overlay textures so we don't we can't show who we all are right now thanks google 
it's a thing. So over the live chat at the moment, Stephanie, hi. And you make it, you don't, don't worry about it. So long again, as long as you're okay, the computer needs a little bit of work. Okay, understandable. And Devin, hello. Hello. So let me go ahead and get everything rolling because uh, we got uh, we got stuff. We got stuff to talk about tonight. It's going to be fun night because, oh, my God, there's just too much damn stuff. But I'll fill you in. With five minutes on the clock, your five-minute freestyle starts right now. Irony. You know, I don't get into drama. I, I, I try very hard to stay the hell away from drama. I do my damnedest to stay out of it. But there's some drama that's been going on right now, and we are not going to name names because, A, it's gauche. Two, because I don't have direct knowledge of all this. Well, I've got a secondhand information. And when you're dealing with drama, that's the worst kind of place that you could possibly be. Because then you start repeating things that other people have said, and you don't know if it's the right thing because you're just taking somebody else's word for it. And they could be well-meaning, and they could be people that you could otherwise trust. But yeah, don't do that. Well, here's uh, here's something. And I was inspired because I saw something earlier today. And it's something that's kind of been going on. And it kind of takes me back to us in a way. And well, for me, for my podcast listing over the years, and I can actually get away with saying that it's been years. <sighs> we do this without worrying about money. Said it, I will keep saying it. I will continuously say it every damned week if I have to. We do this because we can, because there's very little in the line of outlay and money. And, you know, uh, I, I have to remind everybody, when I got, well, I think the term is um, drunk for the 200th episode. Yeah, that's the right word for it. And when I was, when I was extolling very heavily about Dallin getting uh, getting the uh, uh, the recognition he deserves. There's stuff that goes on behind the scenes beyond what we talk about that Dallin is responsible for, and it's a good thing. It's a very helpful thing because it helps offlay some costs that we would otherwise have. And that's exactly what I was specifically thinking about at the time. Although I have tried very hard not to talk about that kind of thing, but there are some podcasters who have gone ahead and gone out there to try to put out a product for the wrong reasons. They could have had the best of intentions, but they go out there and say, look, I've got a coffee. I've got a Patreon. I've got a GoFundMe. I've got a whatever the hell it is. But then they rely on that. And then it's a matter of, well, I can't put out a product if you guys aren't going to support me. So if you're not going to support me, I can't put out a product and that's going to be your fault. And this is an argument I've heard from several podcasters over the years. And I find it disgusting personally. I mean, I understand that people want to go ahead and have whatever their product is and they, they want to be able to put it out there and they want to be, you know, repaid for the effort that they're putting out there. I, I totally get that. And I support that. 
But at the same time, this is a voluntary medium. It, it really is. Unless you've got advertisers who are going to consistently pay you. Unless you've got a distributor who is going to tap into the advertisers who is going to consistently pay you. Unless you've got people who are commissioning you effectively that are constantly paying you. You don't exactly have, well, a consistent payment schedule that's going to have happen to you. Yeah, it's nice to be able to say, look, I've got all these people on Patreon who are paying, you know, however the hell much. Cool. But going ahead and telling people, if I can't pay for this show, I can't do the show and you will no longer have a show. So please pay for it. You start to get onto real, real thin ice with me and with a lot of other people. And jumping way ahead of yourself in where you were and trying to become so much a bigger voice in the community. You know, there are companies that do that all the time and they fall flat on their faces because they think that they can just make that transition to a far bigger arena. I got news for you. It don't always work. For everyone that is a Rocky two, there is Rocky. Remember what happened with Rocky in the first? He lost. You forgot that, didn't you? Keep trying, man. Keep punching. But try punching up instead of down. Might work out better for you. This is properly episode 206. Yes, <laughs> I'm being very careful about that now after after I got called out because I screwed up. Reamed. Yeah, uh, I had to I had to deal with some people about the gun thing uh, this week. And, you know, I, I, I keep looking at news articles and I keep thinking, oh, I'm not going to forget about this. So this is what we're going to be talking about. And then, you know, a day or so later, it's like, wait a minute, wasn't there something that I wanted to remember? But damn it, I forgot, didn't I? Whatever. So, like I said, uh, I had somebody who ended up posting about some gun article. I did the meta research. It was from a very biased source with a very biased writer with a very biased agenda and said, basically, okay, look, this is, this is where this group is coming from. If you, I, I know you, I've known you a long time. I trust you. If you're going to go ahead and tell me it's a worthy article because even biased groups can have occasionally proper reporting. Then I'll go ahead and I'll look at it. But then they pulled out a piece of information, a PDF document that was 268 pages of survey, admittedly from a slightly left leaning survey group and organization, but still a relatively well respected group with all the information that would otherwise seem to be there. Granted, for a slightly smaller population, 1,500 respondents, but it was 268 pages of information. 
I tried to go through as much of it as I could. And it just got me to thinking, okay, look, we should be willing to have our information. What do we do when somebody says, yes, I've got my information and basically thumps war and peace in front of your desk and says, well, it's in there. I know, I know, I know. There are some easy answers to that one, but I think that we're going to kind of go through a little bit different from all that. Well, this does kind of dovetail onto something I think I talked about last week. Uh, that essay that I uh, reviewed uh, by a guy who wanted to do a show on, it was basically called On Invalid Arguments. And how if someone, kind of my interpretation of it, but if someone's going to throw something like that at you and say it's in there, to me, that says your information is suspect. Well, like I said, there, there, there are bits and pieces about this, and I'll, I'll kind of bring you all up to speed in a second. I can tell um, you that apologetics, they love to do that in Wikipedia articles when they have to cite their sources. Yeah. Well, like like I said, I'll 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 fill you guys in on a little bit of the, the color commentary on this one to kind of explain it all. But real quickly, since Heretic Woman here isn't here at the moment, as we mentioned uh last week, Rafe Padawi is up for an award. Uh I didn't I didn't double check to find out if this was a lock-in or if it was just nominated. I need to double check this. I didn't really get the opportunity, but in any case. Unfortunately, I've got no new information other than that at the moment. So, as He's of still the, in prison. Yep, as of the recording of tonight's show, this is now five years, nine months, twenty-two days since he was unjustly incarcerated for thought crime. Our thoughts and our hopes are still with you and your family. We're still waiting and we're still hoping, man. So, like I said, uh, the the color about this was that. Even though this was 268 pages, yes, I know. I, I, I very much remember that number because I went through a lot. I went through a lot. I went through at least the first 150 pages worth of, of data and survey to see how this was all put together. And admittedly, they did it well. They had the question. So we could review what the question was. They broke down the answers by various demographics, which was kind of nice. It was uh, various things in the political arena here in the U.S. So it was broken down by male, female, Republican, Democrat, uh, previous voting cycle, which was Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump, uh, general age bracket, general um, income bracket general racial profile, whatever the hell that even means anymore. A whole other thing. Uh, liberal, median, conservative. And of course, to go along with a lot of that stuff, where there was more than two, there were, of course, the not sure, don't want to answer, that kind of thing. And it was really interesting to go through the survey information and go, okay, your survey is an opt-in group for an online for an online survey group from the UK okay there there are obvious biases that are involved in this now but whatever and it was a survey of 1500 people now admittedly 1500 people mapped onto a country of 300 plus million 
may not always layer on quite right, but it was interesting to see that at least the data that was presented was presented in a very clear way. So I felt really good looking through the stuff. Now, like I said, for the color commentary about it, they were specifically pointing me towards a couple of very specific line items to review. So they weren't just saying, you know, bump, there it is. They were actually pointing me towards, but I went through and I made sure that I read enough so that I would get a feel for how did this group actually do their thing? Did it seem legit? Did it make sense? Were there obvious biases in the way that the questions were worded? So, you know, I was, I was, I was trying to find the, the meta behind it all of was it worth really even, even reviewing what it was that they were looking to point me to. And it turned out it looked right. I didn't see the same problems that they were, but at the same time, at least I felt good in numbing my brain enough to, to read through a lot of this stuff. But there have also been the people who, like I said, I've had arguments with before who've said, here's a link to a six hour video course. My answers about creationism and theism is all in there. Just watch it. Bullshit. I ain't doing that. Those are the ones that really piss me off. So now you get a better idea as to where this all is. And yeah, like I said, we should be able to, you know, cite our sources, kind of give background information. But yeah, there are going to be those people that are just going to say, you know, here's here's the big tome. It's all in there. Go looking for it. Oh, yeah. It's called the Bible. Yeah, that 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 doesn't work well. But again, that's a whole other thing. So <clears throat> I guess I guess I'll throw it out at you guys in just a second. Uh, Stephanie. Um, that's a new feature. I forgive me. I don't know what you were making reference to. So the ability to see the chat after a video has been oh. published. Okay. Okay. Sorry. It, I, I get started on something and all of a sudden, I don't know what the hell is going on around me anyway. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm kind of taking us through because yeah, dealing with people that want to basically try to use the broadside of a barn to hit us back with is annoying to put it nicely. <laughs> the trouble is when they do that, we end up slipping through the open doorway as part of that's part of the wall. <clears throat> yep. Sometimes. Sorry about that. I, I am um, like, I've talked to people and, and again, this essay that I, I looked at where the author was, distinguishing between two types of not so much debate, but how they cite their sources. And one who uh, she actually is a, I found a little bit more. She's a PhD in social sciences or social psychology. Sorry. If so, yeah, she, she is learned. And I've listened to some of her stuff online, uh, very conservative leaning, but not so much that um, if she's going to say something, she backs it up. You know, there, there may be a few things we disagree on, but overall, I still find her interesting to listen to what I find actually having watched some of her videos, when she goes after a source, when she needs to cite a source, she gets right down to the author, the, the page, not quite the line 
of the article that she's referencing. But she gets very specific, but then explains how that winds into what she's trying to get across. Now, the other person I have very little time for because he's a bit of a jerk, uh, at least from what I've seen. Uh, he is the one that will give you the link or will give you the 200 plus page document. And when you ask for, to be a little more specific, he doubles down and then becomes the whole educate yourself thing. Uh, yes. The, the, and, the, the line that we always end up hearing, which is, I won't do your homework for you. Yes. Which is kind of like, okay, look, you're trying to convince somebody who is already resistant to what you're trying to get across. Like, I, I'm not willing to buy what you're selling, you know, just from looking at the sticker price. I need to kick the tires. I need to check the door handles. I want to see if the mirrors are cracked. So I am, and I'm also, um, you know, I, I work a nine to five job or I actually like to go out and do stuff on the weekend that doesn't involve sitting, listening, listening or reading something that I'm not entirely sold on. So if you can't be more specific, you're going to say, you're not going to do my homework for me. Then what makes you think I'm going to do it? Because if I have to climb a mountain to believe what it is you believe, chances are I'm going to stay home. Just saying. I think in most, in most debates, you have two types of, well, debates, most conversations, you have two types of people. You have people who are genuinely interested in educating you. And then you've got people who are just um, more interested in themselves. And like people who make you do the run around and do all the yeah. work and all that. Well, these people are just, they're all about themselves. They don't, they don't really, they're, they're not interested. Um, they want you to follow them. And that's about it. Yeah. But take like, my word for it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a person right. like me, a person like me, I'm not going to accept it whole, just wholesale like that. And you, you know, you were talking about this, this, um, this doctor who cites her sources, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm also sure that in a conversation with her, you'll never hear that she's a doctor. You might find that out after the fact. No, about the only time she throws that card out. And I mean, it took a while for me to, to understand that she, like she mentioned it in one of her, one of her videos. Um, it only would come out when someone questioned her credibility. Like what makes you think, you know, anything about this particular psychological subject? Well, I just happen to be, you know, probably 10 times more educated on this shit than you are. Here are my credentials. I know it kind of leans towards that argument from authority, but. Well, all right. All right. Let, or, let, sorry. Let's appeal first, to authority. Even before we get there, um, yeah. you know, the person asking for your credentials. Okay. Before you can ask for my credentials, you should be asking me. Or um, you should be telling me I'm wrong. You should be able to demonstrate if I'm wrong or right yeah. before asking for my credentials. I mean, there's all sorts of there's a whole yeah. list of things that um, anybody with a bullshit detector, um, yeah, well, that would trigger it. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. Because you go ahead and you tell somebody in the middle of an argument, well, what makes you so right? What are your credentials on something? You're immediately doing an ad hom. That's not even dealing with whether they're right or they're wrong. It's all you don't have any kind of credibility because you don't have cred. And 
you don't have letters after your name or before your name or anything like that. So why should we believe you? Or even worse, the ones where it's, you're a woman, so why should we believe you? Yeah, that's uh, that's two things you'd never want to say to this particular individual because, oh boy. Good. Um, yeah, uh, the, the brain is not the only smart part on her. Uh, very, very sharp tongue. Plus five vorpal, I would say. <laughs> if we're going to go to D&D terms, let, let's, let's do that. Oh God. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I've got like 14 different things running through my head. I'm trying to think of where I'm going at the moment. Uh, I, just, I just ran into a situation like this with some um, uh, these supposedly erudite historians that I was working with. Um, oh. they, but, but these actually, these are credentialed people and uh, they would question something I'd, put forward because something I uh, proposition I made was questioning them. They got the impression and they'd come back with the, the, um, the ad hominem. They'd say, Oh, what are your credentials for this and this and this? And I'm going, well, well, you know, first tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the fact that I was actually right. And that I was somebody who didn't have any credentials that pissed them off to no end because it made them look like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, just this uh, autodidact could do the same fucking thing I'm doing. Yeah, there's a oh, God, um, that's all that describes a whole type of person. It's like just a person who's in it for themselves. They go through life. They just accumulate. They do the quote unquote right things to get the right results and all that and uh, they're in it for themselves and that's it and they have no sense of anything else actually yeah you know i was i was trying to think of what the right word for it was i, I knew i had the right the right beginning letter h hubris <laughs> yeah yeah that's you know there's there's a reason why there were court jesters to exactly take the piss out of people that needed it and needed it the most and man did it sounds like you actually did exactly that you you were smart enough, and you said, "Look, I'm right. Tell me I'm wrong, and then we can talk about who's got, who's got whatever." But yeah, I didn't even have to say I'm right. I said, I just said, "Okay, show me where I'm wrong. Educate mm-hmm. me." Okay, that's it. Educate me. Then what's wrong with the proposition? Yeah, I can demonstrate what you're doing is wrong. Um, and that's because where these I... were guys there. There, uh, I was so disappointed because um, I expected to be tested by a scientific community, scientific historians, but actually it's just a, a bunch of entitled children who are more interested in, um, uh, in French we say copinage, but they're more, it's more like a buddy-buddy promotion system around government money than anything. So, um, and, uh, uh, you know, they, well, yeah, they'd make a choice. Like, well, I'm going to promote my friend and they'd, they'd rationalize it after just like, any apologetic it's, uh. yeah so um well, good good on you for that i mean it's all right let's let's be fair well no because actually because i in the end if these guys are running the show i'm the one who's wrong because i get sidelined yes but what i what i was going to say was you showed that you were right and they we're unable to show that you were wrong. If, if I've, if I've got this, the, the play out of this, correct. Yes. Um, you, you're, 
You're completely right. Yeah. Okay. Now, the reason why I, I was congratulating you is that there are, generally speaking, it is usually not going to work out that way. Someone who is not credit, accredited in a particular discipline typically, and I say very carefully, typically, will not be the one to make any kind of landmark changes in how people think about a topic, generally speaking. Are you sure about that? I am not, but more, t- more often than not, someone that knows more on a discipline mm-hmm. will typically know what the pitfalls would be of thinking differently than what has been accepted. For instance, generally speaking, I would expect that you should be able to figure out where any particle is in the universe and then verify it. But Heisenberg has told us otherwise, and that seems to be the case. Now, I'm I'm using physics because, well, uh, it's the first thing that came into my head. Uh, um, Would I think that you could float um, a very lightweight boat on air? Normally, no. But super dense air, uh, sodium hexafluoride, for instance, yeah, you can. And that's a surprise because that goes completely against what I would otherwise think of. But somebody that knows chemistry and physics would understand this and for them would just be, you know, no big thing. Oh, that's, I wasn't clear about one thing. Uh, these guys somehow figure that their, um, their credentials in history or whatever, um, geology, geography bleeds to everything else where they've got this, this, um, capital gold letter authority that can't be questioned. So like, I would never think to question these people on, on anything about history or anything like that. They, they, they can stay to that, but we're talking about, um, um, you know, like things about, um, database, uh, in, information sharing and things like that. Okay. Mm. Okay, but even so, the particular discipline is immaterial to the to the. Yeah, how did I make this about me? Okay, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it, well, where it's it's partially about you, but it's about the way that the way that people think through things. Typically, yeah. those that it, don't have the discipline don't understand enough of it. So, well, typically, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But my my point was saying that. Um, people are either thinking from uh, the point of their own comfort or they're thinking from the point of um, the actual thing they're doing. But it's- right. right. Now, the, the reason why I'm kind of going through down, down this particular rabbit hole is that even though it is atypical for someone who is not vested in the particular discipline to make a significant change, it happens from time to time. Especially in the information age now, it's far and away easier to learn so much more than we could when you had to go to a brick-and-mortar institution and pay the institution for the privilege of learning from people and paying $200 per book on chemistry. Jesus. Whereas now, people can learn so much more on their own. 
this project is supposed to be changing all that, completely changing um, the the entire way we um, we mine for information. Every every source, every every fact has its source, and you can follow this all the way back to the um, the origin. Which means that the historian, the historian who has to go do all the research to several different institutions that he has to know personally, so he can get access and all that. That things that's going to be a thing of the past. And the new historian is going to be somebody who's going to guide us through this huge sea of data uh, to to try to tell us, uh, to try to put a context to it all. But anyways, yeah. Excellent. And um, as, a, as an aside, by the way, uh, Beth, I did see you pop in. Felis, good to see you. Uh, Beth, I, I, I heard what happened earlier. Uh, I hope you're doing okay. Beth had a, Beth had a thing happen. We'll deal with that a little bit later, but uh, Beth has actually put uh, an interesting point and I, I didn't think to specifically lay this out and she's quite right. You have to discern from opinion and informed opinion. Yes. And that also adds into one additional piece, which are facts, especially well-researched facts. Because if there's one thing we learned, you know, facts are well and good. Researched facts are even better. But additionally researched facts will turn other stuff on its head, proverbially speaking. And throw in, throw in their selective fact. Yeah, and selective fact. Oh God, you yeah, see, now now you're getting me to thinking about the thing that is an absolute nightmare to me. Willful ignorance. Oh yeah, I. F- it, if if ever you want to talk about me having a trigger term, that's it right there. I I, I hate that with a passion, but that's all the other thing. The point that I'm going down is, it's all well and good to be able to say, this is a new way of thinking about something, and then being able to well show your work. Yeah, I know, I know. We all had to do it in math. I know. It sucks. It's a pain in the ass because you never have enough room on the piece of paper that they give you. I'm sorry. I might be channeling my old high school math teacher, the little, you know, never mind, never mind, never mind. But in order to be able to show your point, in order to demonstrate your validity, whether or not you have accreditation in a discipline you got to be able to show that you know what the hell you're talking about and it's not just a matter of having a large tome of information but being able to say in this large tome of information which will give you additional color to how i arrived at this paragraph of information here's the whole thing and here's the bookmark to exactly where you want to get to because that's the important part and if you want to review the rest of it there it is, at least there for you. Now, what was also mentioned earlier was... Sorry, I'm looking over in the live chat. Stephanie had also mentioned, because I had talked about the six hours of video for a creationist and a theist for bullshit reasons, Stephanie earlier had said, six hours of video, I retaliate with Aaron Ra. Oh, I'm with you on that one. 
I'm yeah, totally but, with you on that one. But but they would have the same reaction to that that we do to their six hour video. It'd be like, oh no, I you know can't you be more specific? Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing that people like that, when they're subjected to the same treatment that they give out, suddenly, you know, they're they're the victim. They're the ones that uh, feel that they now have to demand or that they can demand uh, that we be more specific in citing our sources. And then when you go, well, you see, you, you see how it feels, then the mental gymnastics kick in and... You're either blocked Not or they always. declare victory or something. Well, go ahead, Joseph. I mean, go on with that one. Oh, well, yeah. Um, I have a hard time <clears throat> figuring this out, too, because, um, you know, um, people concerned with their own comfort, um, they seem to have uh, a set of rules for everybody else and none for themselves. Exactly. And all depends on whether you're part of the same clan as they are. I wrote a piece about this on Quora not so long ago. Because um, before, you know, I'm always going on, going on about critical thought and, you know, how that should govern, th govern things. But there's, there's something else underneath that that I'm, I'm still trying to figure out. Sure. But there's like, uh, it, you know, um, like Dallin said, you well, it, normally if you if you present somebody with the, the dilemma that they've created, you know, serving them back exactly what they're serving you, normally that should get them thinking, but most often it doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's just somehow it just seems to be um, a sort of, um, well, I have the right to do this, but you don't. And that's part of the problem. Uh, we end up seeing a lot of people who, when they're faced with exactly that, uh, questioning of whatever their position is, even if we've got backing to show that our position is valid to question or even to counter whatever their position is on whatever the hell the topic is, they will just do the turtle thing and, and pull themselves into their shells and double down on whatever the hell it is they've got, whether they're right or wrong. And usually in that case, especially if they're wrong, um, we've talked about ideological positions and not wanting to get broken out of them a lot. And that's exactly the kind of, you know, what? That's their survival. That's their survival model because no, I think, okay, as long as I keep repeating this mantra, uh, then I'm going to, I'm going to be safe. So. Yeah. There's a, uh, Bridget, are, are you actually with us at this point did you did you get your coffee or everything yeah I'm, okay. yeah I'm here okay I was just checking because um there is something that's hap that happens every once in a while in the medical area that I I know full well ends up happening because well I I saw it from the from the pharmacy side every once in a while there will be the disease of the week or the new uh the new drug rep of the month that comes through. And suddenly it seems like a whole bunch of doctors are prescribing the same treatment for whatever seems to come even close. This is, this is something that's uh, I, I have to believe you've seen before where, you know, it, it could be a cold, could be a flu. Why bother doing, you know, $200 worth of genetic testing or whatever the hell it is on a Petri dish. And yeah, we'll just 
give you this thing because this seems to be going around now, even though we think it's what's going around. Well, I know that um, that used to be the case when diagnosing flu and you know things like that. If it was going around, they would just assume that that's what you had. I do think that they the doctors have gotten a little better at actually swabbing and testing for that. Um, I don't know if it's because the CDC has cracked down on them or it made it reportable or what. Um, you know, but now that we have medications that can actually deal with the flu, it makes more sense to actually test for it and give appropriate medications. But you're right about drug reps coming around and, you know, they sell the the newest, most expensive, latest, greatest drugs for things. And, um, you know, then doctors will prescribe those drugs. And a lot of times they're bribed, if that's the right word, to do so. Um, you know, they're given gifts, lunch, vacations, things like that. I, I believe the politically correct term for it is uh, incentivized. Okay, incentivized. <laughs> so, And um, a lot of the doctors are not aware of the cost of the medications that they're prescribing and some yeah. of them are ridiculously expensive yeah now there's there's a reason why i wanted to go down this angle because most people don't understand that drug companies do have their own reps that go out to the doctors sometimes to the pharmacies not quite as often but you know they still get them right. in order to promote whatever is the newest latest greatest because you know after seven years, stuff becomes uh, free market, and generic versions are a tenth the price in some cases. But the reason why I want to kind of go down this angle is that um, there have been many a time where flu has been treated with, well, amoxicillin, for instance. Which does absolutely nothing against the flu. The flu is a virus, and amoxicillin is an antibiotic, which only works on bacteria. Yeah, I, I've uh, I've had a little bit of experience with that particular medication on more than a few occasions. Yep. Now, here's the problem. You give amoxicillin, an antibiotic, to quote-unquote fight or make people think that they're fighting a, a flu, thinking that maybe it was cold. But still, you how give or take, how long typically would a flu last for people? You know, accepting that they would probably wait a day or be able to wait a day or two because, you know, doctor's office needs to be scheduled in. How long does a flu typically last? About 14 days. Okay. I mean, the after oh, effects can shit. linger for weeks, but, you know, you're, you're going to be sick for several days. Um, if you take an antiviral for it, it can cut down the symptoms by a couple of days, but you know, that's still not a, you know, a lot of help. Okay. Now you take an antibiotic, which is going to do nothing for a virus. Mm -hmm. You are supposed to take it as a regiment for 10 days or right. until whatever it is that you've got goes out, which is usually about 10 days. Mm -hmm. Now you don't feel any better. It's not doing any good for you after a week. So you stop taking it because, well, what in the hell was the point? Well, what happens for the people that actually do have a bug that this stuff is going to work against and they stop 
taking it after a little while. Those what bugs. Happens? Yeah. What happens is you end up in a hell of a lot worse shape than you were before. Yep. Anybody, uh, anybody remember the film? I forget which college university it was from that showed E. coli on a big bed, a big Alcor bed. And they showed what happens when you have one time the amount of antibody or whatever it is that's supposed to kill the stuff. And then 10 times, and then a hundred times, and then a thousand times. It eventually learns over the course of 15 days to E. coli matures and well, it, it, it changes and it finds a way to become more resistant. So it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then you end up with, uh, what's the term for that? Is it, uh, MRSA? Uh, MRSA. MRSA. Uh, methicillin resistant staphylococcus or streptococcus aureus. Sorry. Brain cramp. It's all right. Sorry, right. you're only a nurse. I mean, it's it's not like you know any of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school like almost thirty years ago. Yeah, I don't use care. it or lose it. Don't I don't I don't care. You know more than we. <laughs> you know more than we've forgotten. No, but, I feel uh, around. Yeah, don't, you can get more than we'll ever learn. You, you, you can get all kinds of really resistant, nasty, superbug kind of stuff. To to forget it, you have to learn it first. Well, yeah, you have to learn it first. Um, but but the point it, it, it's the stuff of nightmares. Um, yeah. I mean, right now there are a few super, you know, quote unquote super bugs that are going around that um, there's only one or two antibiotics left that work against it. There's some that no antibiotics work against. And people are starting to get things like ear infections and sinus infections that are not curable by any antibiotics. That's scary. Now, the reason why uh, I was going down this angle is even though it doesn't seem like it, it kind of fits into this whole thing, here's where it does. Like I was saying, there had been times, and I remember from when I was, like I said, you know, when I was working at the drugstore in the, in the late 80s, where even if it was a flu, you'd go ahead and you'd, you'd uh, prescribe up antibiotics okay, you know, that doesn't do a hell of a lot of good for you. But then you end up with, like I said, exactly the situation. People who end up taking it and then not because it's not doing anything for you. And then, well, these resistant bugs just start populating in the public after a while because people didn't want to do any additional look-see and just thought, yeah, that's 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 what it is. Because I mean, why go doing throat swabs and doing cultures? Because, well, how long would that take? By comparison, I I have to believe that this is this is something that happens in the medical community and and still has been happening for the last. Oh my God! I just suddenly realized I was working there in eighty five. Eighty five. 95, 2005, 2015. It's been over 30 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> Goes by fast. 
this is weird. Like, okay. I, when I was a kid, when I got sick, like if I was down with the flu, it was one day. Like they called it the 24 hour flu. Yeah. You know, you, you feel like just absolute pounded dog shit uh, for a day. You're, your your body's doing things that you, it no, it doesn't normally do, or if it is if it is something it normally does, it does it in a great amount of excess. I think that's called the boogie woogie flu. Well, whatever. Yeah, but it's not really influenza. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was going to say influenza like, kicks your ass for a lot longer than a day. Well, then. But there's a lot I, of people that that call things like the stomach flu or a 24 hour virus a flu. They're not truly okay. flu. Yeah. Okay. No, that that's fine. In I guess in that respect, then I have been incredibly lucky. Yeah. Well. Okay. Yeah. I, I've had a lot of stuff happen to me. Uh, you know, um, citation last year. Uh, <laughs> but at least I can say, well, maybe I have never gotten influenza. Yeah, you might not have. I mean, that it. I've had it twice, and ended up putting me in the hospital twice. And I understood then how it killed people. <laughs> I, I I had I had chickenpox twice. Go me. <laughs> I've had, I've had red measles three times. Uh, and once was actually in reaction to a vaccine I got. Whoa, whoa, time, wait, wait, wait. Okay. First off measles, um, red measles. That's what I'm not familiar with. It's a, it was a particular strain that, that hit uh, Manitoba uh, when I was still in school and we actually got uh, school vaccinations for all of it. <sighs> um, but of course, we all know what a vaccine is. Basically, they introduce a supposedly inert version of a virus into you so that your antibodies get trained for it. Well, my body reacted. Now, this the first time I got the measles, I was down for, for like three days. Like I felt like crap. My, my skin broke out, uh, fever, all that wonderful stuff. The second time I got it, I got the rash, but I didn't get any of the other symptoms. So I think what this was, was just a, my body's reaction to the vaccine because it happened about five or six days after I got injected. The third time, I'm not entirely sure what the circumstances were. All I know is that um, I've learned the hard way that uh, getting the measles the day after drinking a shit ton of vodka is not fun. No. <laughs> that was probably that was the single worst hangover I ever had in my life. Yeah, considering how much you would have been dehydrated at that point, I'm sure. Yeah, this is um, all I can say is young, stupid, and in university. Life lesson. Yeah. Big time. There, there have... are things you learn after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, until the next one, anyways. Uh, but I have, point. when we're talking about all this, the, um, you know, trying to beat, to out, uh, evolve uh, certain bacteria and certain um, diseases. Um, I have a lot of hope in CRISPR. Mm -hmm. That's going to because um, uh, we seem to be uh, we seem to have our ass between the two shares of um, you know the traditional methods and then um, uh, actual genetic reprogramming or almost like making little nanobots actually. That's what CRISPR is. What, what scares me is that, um, like you said, Bridget, that some of the there are some bugs out there that there's really nothing you can do. Mm 
That scares me because that almost sounds like, and please correct me if I'm wrong when I say this, that there are bacterial infections out there that are less treatable than cancer. Yeah. That to me is terrifying. Yeah. But with CRISPR. Almost like the uh, pre-antibiotic age where, you know, any kind of infection could kill you. But with CRISPR, all you have to do is take a, all you have to do, I'm sorry. Um, if you take um, a certain section of its uh, genome and you, you program CRISPR to, to hunt this down, it's, it, it almost works like an antibacteria. Right. But how many people are going to be able to afford that, uh, you know, it, even it's if it's very, widespread technology? Yeah, it's it's that's another thing that's getting to me because it's supposedly it's not that expensive to implement yeah. and just don't um, put that, um, that Screlly guy or whatever his name was in front of it. Right. Oh, don't worry about him. It, yeah, it should yes. be more, far more widespread than, than it actually is. But yeah. I guess my, my concerns, we have people in this country that can't even afford to pay their co-pays. Yeah, so how would they afford treatment like that? I don't see insurance companies. I don't, I don't see how we're even putting a price on it, but it does bother me the fact that they can't afford treatment. I think that's a problem in itself. Why yeah. is this medication so expensive? And that that may be also because that that may be also the reason that may be the reason why nothing new is happening in technology wise. Well, I, I kind of have to question the pricing matrices for for some things. Um, I'm kind of going off my own experience here. Um, up until recently, I was on, um, well, I'll call it by its, by its retail name, Fragment, an injectable blood thinner. And I've lamented about it quite a few times. The price, and this was even after my insurance company's discount or being willing to pay for part of it, was still about $400 a month. Okay. Uh, thankfully, the pharmacist uh, recognized who I was and actually got me a copay relief card from the makers of the drug so that I only ended up having to pay like $5, but I only ever had to do that twice. Just recently, I was re- I was taken off of Fragment and put on a pill. Um, the marketing name is Eloquis. And I've actually been hearing about this one for a number of years on US TV. And always wondered, gee, I wonder when that's going to come to Canada. Well, now I know. So I went to the pharmacy to get my first um, prescription. And it was Eloquis. It was uh, a type, a set of blood pressure pills and another medication. So three medications for one month. With my drug plan, $15. $5 per. Now, the... Um, the Eloquist is a lot newer, I believe, than Fragment. Mm-hmm. So my question is, if this is the new sort of, I won't exactly say, I thought it was bleeding edge until I actually read about it. I'm like, well, wait a minute, I've actually heard about this before. If this is supposedly a newer drug, then would it not follow that it would be more expensive? Yeah, I mean, the retail price here on it is over $500. Whoa! Yeah, should yeah. Not, I really think all medication um, should come under the price. They should also have the profit margins of the fucking company, because I can understand um, paying into research, and of course, you know, uh, this, this 
medical research is fucking expensive, but I mean, um, this seems to go, this seems to use that uh, allowance and, uh, well, run with it. Well, I mean, the, the prices are just too extraordinary to. And you see, I wonder if um, companies like, let's say, Pfizer, they develop a new drug and they put a patent on it. Now, a patent only lasts for so long, correct? Yeah. In the U.S., if memory serves, I believe it's seven years. Okay. It used to be seven. I think on some drugs, it's now 20. Okay. So for those 20 years, the drug company basically has a monopoly on on, on that drug. On that very specific formulation of the yes. drug. Now I'm saying that because I'm going to, I'm going to be jumping into this after you get done with your point with, yeah. with two to clarify something. Well, just, my theory is that, uh, okay. So for those seven or 20 years, depending on the nature of the patent, mm-hmm. they're going to try and milk it as much as they can to a get back their investment and B of course, turn the tidy profit because the second that patents released, then, you know, everybody and their dog can jump on making this formula and, they can no longer justify their price. I mean, it's, it sucks. I will admit it sucks, but that is the capitalist system. It it is the way it is. And I mean, it it is dicey because you are talking about a human life. Well, here's, here's the thing. If you want to go ahead and say they can no longer justify charging whatever exorbitant price they're going to, you only need to look on the store shelves for Tylenol by name brand versus acetaminophen by generic name. Yeah. You will find out that the price tag is two, two and a half times from the generic. Right. And the vast majority of people do not know that there are generic versions of the vast majority of name brand uh, prescription drugs. And a doctor might not even realize or might not even know and might not write a script for a generic version, which for those of you that might be in this particular situation, it is entirely possible to request an older medication that would do the same thing as what you would otherwise be getting as a script from the doctor because they got talked to by a drug rep. You starting to see where this is all coming back together again. Because that's the one that they know about off the top of their head. But if there is another one that's older, that is in the generic line, and they say, yes, you can get a generic, the res- uh, the insurance companies will typically say, okay, because it's a much lower price tag, your copay is, well, it would have been $50 on this one. It's $5 for this. Yeah. And the, only, see- difference, mm-hmm. the, the only big difference is, Yes, it is a newer version, and yes, it may be better targeted and have fewer side effects or different side effects, but you could still have another drug that does a very similar uh, a very similar job and still not have to pay the huge price tag. But like I said, most people will not know about that. Some doctors won't even think about it because, well, as we talked about a little while ago, you know, it's what you think about because it's what you're prescribing. It's because it's what you remember about because you were given some perks. And, and that's, you probably have samples of it, too, that were given to you by the drug rep. Yep. yep. As, As a exactly. matter of fact, that's that's what happened to me. 
Yep. Um, I was part of a, a test group for a new blood pressure medication. This is now going on over 10 years ago. And I've been on that drug now all this time. And it works quite well. But um, with my current drug plan, yes, my doctor can write out the name of the of the prescription of uh, the name of the drug that he knows, and also the name of the other drug that I take that he knows. But when I turn those in, and those are processed by the insurance company, the insurance company says, "You know what? Um, we're not going to cover that one because the doctor didn't specify that it has to be that one." So we're going to actually, instead, we're going to say, yes, you don't get uh, Adalat, which is the one that I take. Instead, you're going to get the, I can't remember the chemical name. It starts with an N. It's a very long word that I'm far too sober to try to but speak. The, the generic name. Yeah, the generic name. It does exactly the same stuff. It, it, it works exactly the same. But, it is, uh, but it's my insurance company that's saying, we're going to put you on this instead. It's, it's exactly the same. It just doesn't have the big shiny label. So both my blood pressure drugs are now of a generic sort because they're both out of patent and I've seen no problem with it. And like the insurance company is not trying to bilk me out of X number of extra dollars because of, you know, well, you know, they're, I don't know if they're getting a kickback from, from companies or whatever, but with with one or two exceptions, my experiences with medical insurance, at least in Canada, have been okay. You know, the uh, the the daptomycin that I was on, the, the the major antibiotic that I was getting injected, okay, that was a bit of an exception. But then again, my situation was a little exceptional too. Uh, I'm I'm just reading all uh, the stuff that's going on over in the live chat, and uh, those you guys that are chatting it up over there. Thank you. Uh, yes, I can't get to everything that's being said, but there are a couple of pieces over there. And I'm going to use it because I'm actually going to kind of swing this whole thing around. And you'll see where where I was going Yeah, in, in, in uh, just a couple of moments. Now, um, before you move on that way, I, I yeah. wanted to mention something. Sure. Um, as far as you know, drug prices in the U.S., um, you know, Congress could do something to help put a cap on them, but they don't and they won't. Um, our Medicare Part D program cannot negotiate for lower drug prices with the com uh, pharmaceutical companies. They're not allowed to by law, which is just, <laughs> it's crazy. Well, and, and this is where I disagree with a lot of, uh, you know, conservative talking heads. You know, yeah, I may agree with you on a couple of things, but when it comes to that one, if you're saying like, oh, there's nothing wrong with the pharmacy, with the drug industry, well, I beg to differ. You know, when, well, when a person, when a person is actually denied a potential life-saving medication because they can't afford it or because their insurance, which they also can't afford because they're working a $2 an hour job at a freaking restaurant and, and you sit there and say, well, you know, well, that's just the American way. Well, okay. You know, um, I, I would wonder how you would survive if you were ever put in that situation, like, like so many people who are making the laws these days have absolutely no idea what the people that they're making the laws for are going through, or they just don't care. I think they. well, I think it's both. I mean, we have so many millionaires that are, you know, serving in Congress and 
I think it's indifference and it's also they can't relate. Um, these are people just do they just don't anything outside of their own comfort bubble just doesn't exist. It's a it's a form of it's almost a sociopathy. Um, yeah, they, I don't know they what to call it. No, 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 you're right. They're they're sociopaths. They they only think about themselves. Like, okay, it's not uh, not hardline sociopathy because that is, I believe, to the self. Uh, like but, going back to what we were saying earlier, I think it's not only them. I think a good lot of society today is like that. Mm-hmm. It is, and, but a lot of and them I mean, say even Trump voters, um, they they may be in a you know an impoverished state. They may their their life might be terrible, but they're as long as they're within their comfort bubble, their belief bubble, or whatever they think, they think they're 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 okay, and they're going to continue doing what they're doing. And they're not going to think to anything well, outside of it, any alternatives. Well, push this mantra for personal responsibility. And, and some of the lawmakers have said you need to be responsible and save up money for your health care. But if you well, happen to have cancer, hike up the Avastin, you know, if you get it in the UK, it's about $18,000 a year for, you know, a, a you know, treatment with Avastin. Over here in the US, it's over $100,000 a year. For that same treatment. Well, yep. and further and to the point, how do you save up for anything when your wages are a joke? You can't. You know, and, and like you, you want to find you know a good job that that pays well, but the trouble is, so many of those have now been outsourced mm-hmm. because the company that you know ran this particular town, well, they they went and outsourced everything because it was a, a huge uh, tax break for them. Um, you know, basically playing, you know, playing loose and fast with the tax rules. So you, you say, well, you have to be personally responsible, but the trouble is when there are no good jobs to be had, well, then what do you do? But you know, guys, a, this is the, the sort of selective reality mentality they're in, because when you put all of these individual cases together, of course, you're going to have a, a, a snafu situation. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's yeah. just a bunch of, people thinking only for their their own comfort or from their own comfortable perspective and that's okay. it it's it's a it's an everybody for themselves society yeah i, I feel for people who um oh it's working know, for me uh, yeah. so where's the problem but, but i feel sorry for for like college graduates and i mean i'm talking stem graduates here like the people that get into the tech fields the science fields the fields that you know, where they can, they can market their skills and actually be, you know, they can make lucrative money, but the trouble is there's, there's nothing out there for them. So let me tell you, uh, let me tell you how this whole thing that seems like it's like a, a completely unrolling ball of wax, ball string, ball string, how this actually comes together to the point that I was trying to get to. There are, unforeseen consequences. That's the best way of putting it. For exactly the kind of thing that I started this whole damn thing off with. A drug company in the U.S. goes under the idea that it is out there to make money. That's the capitalist way here in the U.S. And that, it, by extension, goes to insurance companies. Bridget, we've talked about that before, where an insurance company is a company. Its business is to make money. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. I, I beg to differ. 
Um, well, an insurance company is normally when it starts, like the, the point of the company is to share risk and share costs. That's the point. But with time, it, yeah, um, it becomes a lucrative business. Well, look at, we've got all of these people paying into us. So I, I think if you start something, you know, if you're going to start, if you're going to do something to make money, in a way, it doesn't even matter what you do. If your only goal is making money, oh, well, okay, I'm going to sell Coke. That's fine. That's, okay, let me, let me, let me. Uh, to, to, to say me, that making money is the point of uh, a business that, that kind of contradicts itself. That's all I'm saying. Uh, actually, no. no. Not, not in the U.S. Bridget? Um, well, not in the U.S. Well, uh, to, okay, just because it's that way doesn't mean it's right. No, no. It's not right, but that's what insurance companies do. Um, is is their bottom line is making as much profit as possible to pay out to their shareholders. Yep. Now, hold on a second, because Beth actually came up with the number I was going to be going looking for. Um, Beth is saying, explain an insurance CEO taking home a $13.6 million bonus. Bonus. That is an amount of money that it would be exceedingly difficult, if not downright impossible, to spend all of that in a year. Is it impossible? No, not by a long shot. But would it be damn difficult? Yeah, Brewster's Millions comes to mind, but that's a whole other thing. So with the with $13.6 million bonus, Bridget, that would go a long way towards Alleviating, alleviating the amount of pain that would be paid out for various different, like we were talking once, once, twice before, cancer treatments or or blood thinners combination thing. You remember talking about that. Mm-hmm. So, as far as to, will an insurance company go out there to make money? At first, maybe not, but with the long term goal of thirteen plus million dollars in a bonus check. Yeah, I, I I would say that it's quite the well, disparity. If it's not about making money, then why is CBS uh, pushing now to acquire Aetna? So here's where it comes. The insurance company is out to make its own money. So they will do what they can to encourage compliance in trying to make life easier for them to outsource less money out outpay less money so going by that same angle drum companies will also try to make their money by investing in doctors offices with their newest latest and greatest and sometimes the pharmacies for their newest and latest and greatest so that they can make their money and their profit which then perpetuates the idea that well this is new and because it's new i remember it more whether or not it may be the best is immaterial, but okay. So you get flooded with the information that you recall much more often. For instance, like I was saying earlier, you go ahead and you take an antibiotic for something that doesn't require an antibiotic because that's what you know, because that's what you think is supposed to be there. That's what you're leaning towards because that's, 
what's been happening, supposedly. And, well, you take a couple of extra steps from there. You take antibiotics that don't work. And you end up with a bug later that doesn't want to work right. Am I mm-hmm. missing a couple of steps here? Yeah, a couple of a couple of steps to really lead you the rest of the way down the equation. But like I said, you make mistakes because you're trying to do what you want to do because you think that that's what's supposed to be happening. You end up with problems down the road instead of doing the right thing, which is, well, actually learning what's going on instead of just automatically assuming that it's it's a cold you, you need antibiotics and inadvertently growing these superbugs out of the 80s and 70s which if memory serves that's kind of where a lot of that all started from wasn't it bridget yeah <laughs> no that, that, that no that's that's fine where I'm going with this whole damn thing is we need to learn. We need to see the signs of what goes on. We need to investigate these things. We need to know the bigger tome and isolate into the pieces that are much more specific as to what's going on and the actual cause and effect of stuff. We need to be able to go through so many different things that otherwise don't seem like they're related in order to find out that, yeah, they actually are related. Giving kids antibiotics because it's going to make the parents feel like they're doing something when there's nothing you can do for an actual flu in, you know, 1985. What's it going to do? The kids are going to like it because it's got that cool taste that they have every year. And, you know, whatever. It's going to cost them $3 in copay, and everybody's happy. Only to find out, you know, 25 years later, suddenly there are ear infections that are going to eat people's brains. And that's... Uh-oh. <laughs> Ferrets. Yeah, that didn't sound good. <laughs> Excuse me. It's all right. But that's, you know, that's that's where we get down to. You know, the insurance companies don't want to pay for things that will actually cure people if it's too expensive. Sometimes they will do the right thing and say, look, there's stuff that's less expensive that does the same damn thing, which, like you said, Dallin, that's that's where you got lucky enough and, and found some relief. Yes. Some companies, Some companies will actually do the right thing. And like I was saying... That's where this all comes together for me. It it feels weird to kind of pull this boomerang around like this, but we need to learn these things. We need to be educated about these things, even though it's a pain in the ass. And that's the thing that is so freaking annoying to me. But thinking's hard. Yes, it is. Like I said, 260 freaking eight pages of PDF research. Inf- yeah, it's almost as bad as, would you like to take a survey? Yeah, I read through the entire freaking... 
well, all right. I, I didn't read through the entire survey. Oh my God. One of the questions that was on there, by the way, Dallin, was uh, do you do you feel that Canada is an ally, friendly, unfriendly, or an enemy? We're not sure. Or maple do you, syrup. Don't 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 even start with me. Because the good maple syrup is good stuff. Yeah, another time. Another anyway. But um you know what killed me was seeing how many of them actually listed as a percentage don't know. Next week on Rick Mercer talking to Americans. Yeah, tell me about it. For Everything those of you that don't don't know, it probably just means never thought about it. It's it's entirely possible. Now the the thing that that's, is that's why I question questionnaires like this. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. Questionnaires need to be quest, question the questions. No, I, I know, I know. And I, I was looking at them trying to figure out was it a matter of I don't know or I don't care? Because it looked like, if I remember right, that was actually a lumped together line item. Not part of my bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Although, if if some people were to just say, you know what? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. I don't keep up on international stuff because I, I haven't. Okay. That's a legit answer. I haven't thought about it. Would be a great, it should be on every questionnaire. Every multiple choice question should have that option. But you know, once again, um, I'm just gut answering. <laughs> be another yeah. one. Yeah, no, I'm, I, just, I'm just like, thinking uh, of. I, I feel put on the spot because I actually don't have an answer for this, so I'm answering any of the above. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> don't count this answer. I mean, these these questionnaires are so much in human psychology that yeah. you have to factor in. And people who make questionnaires like this, um, quite often they're quite good at, uh, they, they have a pretty good understanding of how people behave in front of a questionnaire. I just wonder sometimes, like, um, if you were to look at, say, a survey about, um, let's say, immigration. Because that, that seems to be a hot button topic down in the states right now. Well, it's oh, yeah. actually it's a hot button topic all over the world. Let let's not lie here. True enough. Um, okay, I'm about to get really biased here, and I apologize if I've if I if I tweak any noses here. What I'm about to say. There, I've prefaced it, so screw y'all. Do you really think? Anyone's going to give a damn about immigration in Upper Butt Crack, Wyoming? Like, like when they say, you know, well, we've surveyed all these people. Okay, where did you survey them from? Did you survey them from a place where all they get is Fox News saying they're coming to take our gerbs? Although you know for a fact that even if they blew the doors wide open and said, everybody come on in, nobody's going to come to your flea speck of a town anyway. But we're like, scared it, of those others. Yeah, yeah but, that, but that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, they're going to destroy our way of life. <laughs> Yeah, but but trust me, by the time they get to you, they're going to be so bored of it. Like the the only places they're going to be worrying about infecting are the coastal cities, the major population centers, you know, the the centers of influence. I I really hate to say that, but I mean like there's so much 
look, you guys have more people living in the state of California than I have in my entire country. That says a lot. And they're all, they're all within, uh, what was it? 250 miles of the border. Yeah. So no, those of you on this side of the border on, on the U S side, seriously, the, the vast majority, the over 90%, if memory serves are within, I think it's 250 miles of the border with the U S I think, I think, I think it might be that or, or within 500. I forget, I forget what the hell number it is, but it's ridiculously close. Yeah. So I I don't know. Does it, when I, when I hear like, you know, in some of the places I've traveled to and I hear, you know, well, they're coming to take our gerbs. It's like, no, they're, they're not. They, they don't give two shits about this town of yokels here. And you probably already don't have any gerbs. Well, that's the thing. You know, like you guys, like, you know, yeah, some immigrant took my gerb. Really? That's that's what confuses me because people most prone to quote unquote think like this are well, they're they're already in bad shape. I mean, you know, yeah. people who are comfortable who have jobs, um, they don't worry about issues like this. No, and, and the other thing too is like I, I hear about the employment stats. You know, because both parties will throw this out, you know, like, oh, the, the, the U.S. is in a nosedive, you know, unemployment's on the rise. And, you know, then you look at the actual numbers and they say, well, actually, you know, the, the unemployment has actually decreased under this president or that president. Um, and that's fine. But I, I have to pull the pedantic card based on some knowledge I learned not too long ago. Um, a particular restaurant and I've, I've alluded to this earlier in the show, a particular restaurant um, will pay you. If you are a server, we'll pay you just over $2 an hour. The expectation being that you make up the rest of your income in tips, you know, make, making you work for it. I hate that system because it's manipulative as fuck because it sets the customer against the, uh, the waiter while the the business owner just sits on the side and just rubs his hands together. While and the other problem with that is that even though, okay, so the person is making $2 an hour, but technically they are employed. Therefore tick on the employed column. So when I hear stats about, you know, well, yeah, unemployment's only like at 10% uh, nationwide. Right, but how many of those people are actually making a decent wage? Are, are these people actually surviving on what they're making or or what? Or, you know, you, you go for, let's say, um, your EBT card or, or food stamps or something, uh, tough as that is to get. Well, you're employed. Yeah, but I make $3 an hour. Well, it doesn't matter. You're employed. Therefore, you know, unofficially, you know, officially we can't help you or, or you're at this bracket because you are technically employed. It's just another example of partial reality thinking. I mean, well, it's just, it's another way to skirt the system. Yeah. Even worse. It's It's a form of dishonesty and, you know, the people who should really care about things like this and the people who it affects most, they're, 
the people who it affects most can't do anything about it. And the people who can do something about it, well, it's not part of their comfort bubble. Oh, no, we don't have to look at the entire situation. Yeah, this this kind of comes back around to uh, so many different things. It's regimented information, and it's a regimented gate. If you fall in one place or another, that's it. There is no... There's no wiggle room and whatever the, whatever the sizes of the gates are that you go through have been arbitrarily set for the highest theoretically percentile of people. And if you happen to be outside that bell curve, you don't exist if, or, or they rather you do not exist. Well, there's, there's so little in place for trying to assist and, helping to work back and forth through whatever that system is. You know, I've revised, I'm always going on and on about critical thought, but I've revised that a bit, you know, educating people how to think critically and all that. But there's something else we should teach before um, critical thought is empathy. Just to be, just to be aware that you're living, your existence depends on the other humans who live around you. Just that basic education will lead to 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 many things. And you know, I, I uh, like I've, I've talked about this before about um, you know <laughs> it, it's funny when I balk at the term educate yourself, but in the right context, what I'm talking about is you know when I tell a person that they should try to educate themselves is like they should try to lift themselves up. You know, I've screamed about this before. You hold, you have one of these in your hand, a cell phone. And I'd almost guarantee you almost never make a phone call with it. Lord knows I don't. But what else do I have? What, what are my other capabilities on this? I have a data plan. I have full access to the web. I have full access to apps. I have full access to educational centers. I have access to training courses online in anything that interests me. Something like this, used properly, can give you the edge you need to get out of the situation you're in, if you would use it properly. I'm still working on the parody of hashtagging my life away, but unfortunately, I can't write for shit. But yeah, Joseph, you've heard of uh, Eddie, what is it, uh, Eddie Rabbit's song, um, Driving My Life Away? No, but I'm probably going to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not going to try to sing it. This ain't karaoke night. Holy crap. No, no, um, I have to. My OCD is going to make me look it up. Yeah, but but no, I've I, I've used the term hashtagging your life away. And it, it, I just find it so funny that the people that yell and scream the most on social media sites are the Hashtag same people wisdom. that. Yeah, but, but, but they are the same people who, if they, you know, if I, if they access the library thing, or if they, if they have a particular interest and I mean, they can, they can go out and find the knowledge. But I, I think one of the worst problems is that, um, you know, let's say you, um, you become very well educated on a subject, but learning online does not yeah. give you the piece of paper. 
I beg to differ. Okay, learning, there's learning and then there's learning. There's memorization where somebody you can yeah. cite all the facts and then mm-hmm. there's actual understanding of something else. That's that's a complete, okay, that's another topic for another day. But um, I agree with you. Um, I, I, I mean, there's, uh, yeah, you can learn it, but um, I'd say if it's something that you're passionate about, oh, you, could, that's, you that's can find a way to it. apply it. It all starts there. The interest, the passion, the passion yes. is linked to your survival instinct, actually, because it means your your brain deems whatever you're passionate about useful to your own survival. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, but I think what uh, what Dallas trying to get at is oh, you don't sorry. want to learn about whatever a particular discipline is, but if you can't, for whatever reason, afford, and it doesn't necessarily nece- it doesn't necessarily mean money, but if you can't afford to invest in a formalized education that will give you a formalized recognition as having uh, acquired a particular level of uh, of uh, ability in a discipline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can yeah, go ahead. It's all it's all well and good to learn about whatever the hell the topic is, but you know, how ha, ha, how do you how do you go ahead and say, look, I, I've got I've got this theorem that turns our idea of space and time on its head, but no, I I, I don't have a I don't have a degree from a university yet. I mean, but I know I know my stuff. Yeah, well, well test me. Test my theory. No, but we don't want to test you. We just want to see your piece of paper, which means basically you're you're going to be spending what? How high is education now? Two hundred thousand a well, year or whatever for? And you know what they told me when I went through college? When I when I got my degree, they said, you know what? The degree gets you through the door. That's as far as it takes you. It, it, it's nothing more than a very very expensive key. Yes. Yeah, so they look at your fucking CV. Yeah, they, 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 yeah. So they they see the degree. You know, you've got the the BSc, BE, um, OBE. Yeah, whatever, whatever you've got behind your name, that gets you. That quirks the eyebrow on the part of HR, and then they look at your resume. But I've seen some stuff like um, like online courses. I forget the video. I was watching, but there were, there was some, some statistics about, uh, I think it's part of Harvard university and they they, they have, uh, their courses online. They make them available online. And one of the teachers, he was actually going through, um, the returns. How do you say they, the, the, the scoring, he was actually scoring some of the students or participated in the, in the, the Harvard online ed- education. Yeah. And the scores of the people participating in the online version were actually much higher than those actually attending the university. And these people taking the online courses, they're not going to have that piece of paper because they're not paying the tuition. Yeah. And you see, that's the problem is that there is the opportunity out there to get a university grade education. But unfortunately, because you can't get the piece of paper because of you know, let's say tradition, you know, or the fact that you're not attending uh, or you're not, sorry, not, not paying. And that's what it all comes down to. Now, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I've been looking more and more at, uh, at tradespeople lately because I, I've heard a lot of stuff about infrastructure in the States. 
Now you guys can, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong. Uh, but Yell's infrastructure ain't doing so good these days. My cited source is Flint, Michigan. Well, that's, that's one of them. Um, yeah, we've, but, we've had a couple. Yeah. But, but what I'm getting at is that the, the trade workers, the, the boiler makers, plumbers, electricians, carpenters. It's not only that, there. I mean, here in France, um, okay. I, the, the, um, I've got friends of mine who just got a uh, an 18th century kind of like a villa place, and and they can't find the people to 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 work on the place. They to to renovate it. Now, is that just because no one's willing to take the job because it's because it is an 18th century villa, or that there's just nobody? There's nobody. Oh, okay. There's okay. nobody who knows these techniques or yeah. woodworking techniques. Everything's IKEA nowadays. Yeah. My my defense, I hadn't heard anything about um, a lack of tradespeople. And honestly, you know, I, I hear a lot about um, there's not enough people in these fields or that fields or people are going to school uh, unsure of what they want to do. So they take some namby-pamby fine arts course, you know, which is fine. Okay, you've graduated with a degree in charcoal sketching. Good for I you. I wanted to do that, actually. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm getting at is that. Um, I wanted to be an artist. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, but think about it. Um, think of an architect. That's what I took instead of art. <laughs> but, but, but no, but, but Joseph, think about it. Yeah. To, to me, and, and again, having taken a history course because I had to, I remember looking at the churches in Europe. And the architecture and the the science that had to go into building those, because we're we're talking, these are medieval churches. That's when they were built. To me, architecture is the grandest, largest scale form of art I've I I, I could ever think of. And yes, I'm completely yeah, well, blowing smoke up your ass here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but, but that's another tad you're talking. What's the definition of art? But I mean, anything well done. Okay, if you want to define well, art as that, yeah, of course, yeah. it's something that works. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I look at a lot of buildings these days, and I just wonder what the architect was smoking. Well, um, fuck. I mean, like, look at look at this city, Paris. I mean, anything built after 1960s is already falling to ruins. You know, yeah. whereas you've got like Notre Dame, which is you know, already 650 years old. Yeah. They built shit the last back then, you know, the, 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 there's a reason the stonemasons were who they were. Um, I'm reading up on the history of them actually, but um, getting around to my point is that I think um, I, I honestly think there should be a huge PR push in the U S for people to get into trades to make it sound like it is, it's, a actual like a, a noble thing to do, but, but that, that, that's a that's a whole can of worms because is there a place for trades like that? Because like I'm I'm complaining that everything is IKEA nowadays. Well, if everything is IKEA, well then you're not going to have any place for the trades. You're going to have to make the place for the trades, which means you're going to have to make an appreciation of trades so, before anybody will hire the tradesmen. I was going to say what what is the um what is the Swedish name for the IKEA sewer pipe? But that's the thing. You, you look at something like Flint, Michigan. You look yeah. at something like Flint, Michigan, where 
the, the trade people, tradespeople could go in there and they could fix it, you know, but maybe they, maybe there's not enough people or like, I, I don't know what, what the stoppage is, but honestly, not everybody's cut out for a university education. My, my uncle who, who died actually, uh, only a few days ago, hundred and he was 101. Uh, he, his basement was filled with lathe machinery because he used to fix tractors. And when a tractor, when a tractor broke down and it was some out of production model from the 1940s, from the, the pre-World War II, he'd make a new part. So he he was a tool maker. Uh, Um, I think that's what they call it. A machine Uh, part maker. I don't know. Machinist. Machinist. A machine. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've, we've had the opportunity of talking through a a lot of different pieces on this, but um, I haven't had the opportunity of having Joey talk with us about this. And I I think we've got to a point where. Can um, I just make one, one. Sure. Just just to conclude all this, because like what we're talking about with there's a lack of tradesmen because um, we used to have local economies. Mm-hmm. And now we're going into one like mass economy where you've got instead of um, uh, twenty people dependent on one, for example, plumber in a neighborhood, you've you've got two hundred thousand dependent on um, a plumbing outlet. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Well, yep, I've got you. All that's right, just so- the base. That's just the basics of uh, globalization. Yeah, and and uh, for for the for the last little bit. Uh, I want to kind of have uh, have a talk with Joey about uh, about part of this because uh, where where you were talking through and and finishing off talking about tradespeople, this is something that uh, I I kind of want to talk with Joey about a little bit too because I, I haven't had the chance of having him in with much of anything yet. And uh, well, I've also I've also been having my dinner, and it's rude to talk with one's mouth full. It's it's, it's true, but uh, since we got to, since we got a couple more minutes. Um, let, let's you and me kind of talk through this last piece because um, because you you have you have a particular set of skills and um, ones I, that don't translate well into civilian life and and some that do um, you understand Tanks are great in traffic jams <laughs> don't get started on this um, you have uh, you have an appreciation for you have an understanding of how to deal with various machines, specifically mobile machines, cars, trucks, tanks. Well, t- tanks kind of, uh, I, I, I picked that up because I originally signed on with the army as a 19 kilo. For those of you not in the know, that's an armored crew member. And that's what got me interested in tanks. Uh, you know, other than, you know, boys and their very large toys. And I would spend, you know, there used to be shows like on, uh, I think, History Channel, they had something called Tank Overhaul. I remember that show. Where they would have either a, a mechanic crew from a museum or from a private collection or something like that, and they would find a tank and, you know, rebuild it for example uh they found a panther tank that had been sitting i believe in poland uh had gone through the ice of a river and had sat at the bottom of the river for the better part of the uh later 20th century or 19 
19th or 20th, 20th, um, 20th century. And not only did they manage to clean it, clean up the hull and all that and get it all nice and remove all the rust and all the rotten wiring and all that. But they also managed to find out what happened to that vehicle because when they pulled it out, the turret was blown into pieces and they had no idea what had happened. Uh, come to find out, the crew had tried to cross the river, didn't realize how deep it was because of the ice, and the tank went through the ice into the river, and so they set charges inside the tank to destroy it and abandoned it, but because it was underwater and only a little bit of the turret was sticking out, it, the, water, the water kind of insulated the damage of the explosion. Oh. So it blew up the turret, but everything else was relatively intact. Let me make sure that I've got this right. They tried to scuttle a tank. Yes, that is common practice. In fact, uh, the Tiger, uh, what is it, Tiger 131 that's in Bovington, you know, the world famous only working Tiger tank in the world, Mm -hmm. um, it was disabled by a a six pounder shot from a Churchill heavy tank that had wedged a shell between the gun mantlet and the, uh, and the turret ring. And the crew had intended to abandon it, but I, I can't remember whether it's just, they had faulty charges or that they just forgot to set charges, but they were, according to the manual, they were supposed to set charges and destroy the tank. For whatever reason, whether they forgot to set the charges or the charges were just faulty or whatever, the tank did not uh, was not destroyed and it was captured by the British. So here's uh, here's the area that I wanted to kind of finish us up with on on this angle. You were talking about equipment from the mid twentieth century, mm-hmm. where. Sitting underwater for the better part of 50 years and be able to bring it back to health, at least to a certain degree, at least. Mm-hmm. It, it was uh, that particular one that was underwater. They they actually had it up and running. Uh, they finished the hull. Uh, they have uh, when the episode concluded, they hadn't finished the restoration yet. And uh, I think they were building a fresh turret from scratch. Okay. But uh, as far as the engine would be concerned, they'd be able to get that up and running from what you were describing, it sounds like. Yes. Okay. Generally speaking, what they tend to do is, you know, people salvage military equipment all over the world. And nine nine times out of ten, it's completely dead. You can't possibly restore it. But what you can do is go ahead and salvage parts from it so that, you know, a vehicle that might that could be restored. You go, you go ahead and you put those, th- there's a market for, uh, can, can parts. pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So now he, you, I'll go ahead and finish. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, so the piece that I was going to try to get into at this point was the stuff that was used technologically speaking, then, was a lot of the same kind of technology for internal combustion that we saw up through the 80s, carbureted engines, and eventually dieseled engines, 
which became much more popular for personal use in the 80s. And then it became, for gasoline, fuel-injected, which took over, which then prompted more information for computerized and less for relying on simple timing belts. Mm -hmm. As someone who understands the workings of these engines, these power plants, how difficult is it for someone who has worked on carbureted engines, diesel engines, to suddenly come forward 50 years in technology and these fuel-injected items with brains and computer pieces that learn over everything about it and try to figure out how to work the stuff over. Now, you you had mentioned that I have some expertise in automotive. Some. Uh, I wouldn't call it expertise, uh, but something I will say is that I do a lot of my own automotive work for my vehicles and such, which I probably shouldn't boast about because neither neither one's particularly running right now. But um, mainly comes down to you know just needing parts. Um, a lot of what I know when it comes to automotives is self-taught i either found a manual or god forbid hop on youtube and you know check check if somebody else has you know got something about this um and i have gone at the problem myself i had no idea how to how to deal with drum brakes before I went to change my own drum brakes. And half of what you're going to learn in that kind of situation is doing it yourself and seeing how it literally seeing how everything works and how it comes apart and puts back together with newer vehicles. We are seeing a lot of vehicles, uh, especially here in America where they are very dependent on uh, uh, com- computer units, CPUs that are inside the car that control everything from fuel injection to brake balance. And to be honest, so working with a vehicle, say circa 1950s, compared to working with one of today, one of our more modern vehicles the uh, the dependence on these electronic components it does affect it a lot i mean i'm <clears throat> i am much more inclined to working on mechanical uh components than i am with anything electrical because there's so much that can go wrong with an electrical uh situation that you might not be able to diagnose I'd I'd like to um, the same thing you're saying about mechanics actually applies to electronics themselves because anything pre 1980s you can fix. Well, yeah, it's very very simple electronic components. They had very few electronic components when it came to uh, you know automotives back then. You had the your battery, your alternator, your starter, and car, car wiring is not a hard thing to master. Well, at least not in the pre 1980s, anyways. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you would know. I mean, you, you live in the country that probably has the most you-can't-kill-it car to ever be built. I'm, of course, referring to the Citroen... Uh, DX? No, uh, 2CV, uh, or or how is it you pronounce it? The oh, uh, the, the two horsepower, the 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 coccinal, not the no, not the coccinal. Um, but they the call two, it a coccinal too. Yeah, uh, du chevaux. Um, yes, du chevaux. Yeah. Uh, the the Citroen two CV was literally designed by a, if I recall, a farmer. Yeah, it is basically uh, um, a tractor is, motor, almost a, a small tractor motor with like a frame around it. Essentially, it is a machine that you can maintain by yourself with a few quarts of oil and a adjustable spanner, and that's all you need. Yeah, and some corrugated sheet metal for the body. <laughs> I mean, you, you've probably seen the Jeeps where they have, like, the soft skin doors that just, like, pop into these uh, into the hinges, and you can go ahead and lift them out and unhook them yeah. and put them away. This thing did that before they did. <laughs> Um, it didn't even have forget power windows or even crank windows. This thing had solid uh, plastic windows that had a fold down point in the middle of them. You wanted to uh, haul stuff, you go ahead and just toss it in the back. And if it's too large to fit in, you I literally the just canvas roof. <laughs> you you pulled the canvas roof down. And you treated it like a pickup truck. Have you ever ridden in one of these things? No, and I do hear that the ride is somewhat... Um, uh, you like your teeth. Rustic? <laughs> yeah. I think, but the, <laughs> the thing is, the damn thing doesn't die. And if you can get there, if you can get there with any other four-wheeled vehicle, you can get there in the 2CV. Now, my, my overall point with the whole damn thing, though, is, well, somebody, what, somebody more, who, all right, one, go ahead. One more point that I want to make, make yeah. here is that the 2CV was originally designed in the 1930s. It was produced, I believe, into the 90s. And there are still quite a few two CVs roaming the French countryside to this day. I was just in Joigny uh, last weekend and there's, there's, they're, they're all over the place. Every farmer has one still. I think we need to link to the, uh, uh, somebody remind me that we need to link to the wiki article on that. Just so people can take a look at the sucker. Um, what I wanted to point out uh, and, and th that works out perfectly. The idea that, it was a it was a machine designed for a specific purpose that was simple that made sense see that's that's the thing that annoys me the most about car culture as it is today everybody thinks i have to have the biggest car or i have to have the loudest car or i have to have the most powerful car and i have to shine it up and make it pretty and it's 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 a status symbol it's a tool you will never see me polishing a hammer. Well, yeah, but if you if you've owned and rebuilt your own car, you're going to think about it slightly different than something you can't repair yourself. Sure, 
and 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 I can understand that. But there's also a certain point where it's obsessive instead of pride. Yeah, there's a lot to unpackage there. Yeah, but, yeah that's um, true. That's true. Actually, that kind of uh, that, that kind of works with what we were talking about tonight because you're so proud of your your document, your your so-called argument, or your opinion that at some point it does become an obsession. You know, you you could go to school, and you know, go to mechanic school and all this, and well. That's one form of education, but there's no better form of education than having no choice but to fix the fucking thing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm not a I'm not a construction person by any stretch. I've never really been uh I'm fascinated with power tools. I lack a lot of skills when it comes to using some of them. I mean, nothing more than what I got in high school shop class. But I spent a few months installing furniture for a company where I had a toolbox full of tools, a lot of which I never really understood how to use properly. But my job, therefore my paycheck, depended on me learning a lot of skills that I normally wouldn't have learned, which to this day have actually served me quite well. So like, there really is no better teacher than experience. But... You know, kind of going back to the whole education thing. Um, if you have an interest or a passion about something, learn it. Like go go online if you like if you can't get into a school, go online and learn about it. Apply what you've learned and test yourself. Because you may end up you could end up it, it may be an under the table job to start with. If you're passionate about it, you're gonna do that anyways. Well, exactly. I think I think that uh, I think the thing to say here is don't be dissuaded by people who you know are tell you that uh, diploma is everything and nothing else matters yeah. and there's no point the in doing time. it. Yeah, but at the same time, also don't let those people tell you that you know what, um, it's not worth trying. Why? Because they are. They're, they're scared of their own position, scared for their yes, own. Yes, they're it. scared of their own. They're scared that if you succeed, it becomes a statement on them that they failed. That and was exactly, can. that okay. describes exactly what I went through. Right? Yeah. An autodidact can do the same fucking thing as a doctor in whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. Joey, I'm going to give you the last word at this point. So go right ahead. In, in the case of that, when you're scared of failure, you don't know your own job. Sorry. <laughs> consider, if you will, Albert Einstein, for example. His first job was as a clerk. And he was absolutely terrible at it. When he developed the uh, theory of relativity, I'm going to get some actual numbers here. And he was a patent clerk, and he was a terrible student, too. Yes. So, by all accounts, 
it, it, with the contemporaries of his time, he was an unmitigated failure. I think and he just didn't see the point in it until later in his life. He didn't see the point well, in the education, so they, he just they, wasn't interested. He, he, even so, let him let him finish. He come, he came up with the theory of relativity, and my internet is running super slow, so I'm not going to have any hard data back this up. But he came he came up with it, and everybody was like, "No, that's not the way things work." And he had to wait for decades before the right alignment of uh, occurrences had lined up for him. There was a solar eclipse, and somebody tested out his theory and managed to prove it right. If you're scared of failure, you're never going to succeed at anything. For the, for those of our younger audience who uh, might not get some of my older references, think of Batman. Why do we fall, Master Bruce? Sorry, I can't do Michael King. <laughs> it's okay. And it's, it's probably about as good a spot as, uh, as any to finish off with. Uh, we've all had the opportunity of speaking uh, at greater length, but uh, Bridget, if there's anything that you want to, to finish off with at this point, I'll give you an opportunity because otherwise we're wrapped. Uh, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> you're gonna kick. You're gonna kick the ferrets all over the place tonight, ain't you? Yes. There's gonna be some some ferret butt kicking going on. <laughs> Fair enough. So if you can catch them. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole other thing right there. So as always, everyone, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us tonight. We hope that you found something worthwhile in all of our perspectives and had something worthwhile to think about for yourself. So as always, let me just go ahead and thank the panel for showing up. Joseph, thank you very kindly for your time, and uh, I hope things are going well for you at this point. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the latter part, but uh, I'm... Yeah, sorry for uh, my absence, but um, believe me, I tried several no, times. And, and thank you. Seriously, thank you. You take good care of yourself, man. Have a good morning. Hey, you too, sir. Okay. Joey, thank you no very much for your time, man. You, uh, I hope dinner was good and uh, you have yourself a good morning. No, I'm going to absolutely regret it, but you know, it's, it's what I do. Um, I am... I am by all means, a layman. So I don't, claim, I don't claim expertise in anything other than firing a rifle. And well, I don't do that anymore. That's okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. We are all lay people on a lot of different things, but we know a little bit about certain items. So that's, that's part of the reason why I like having you around. <laughs> you make me found sound like I actually have some ideas to, I pulled the right people together. Anyway, <laughs> Bridget, um, apparently you are being told from the group chat from Felis to Brat, lol, and Beth is saying, no, but kick the ferrets. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, darn. Good luck with that. And as always, thank you very much for your time this morning. I hope that you have yourself good. You too. Oh, yeah. And uh, before I let you go, uh, I have to go ahead and ask, did you get any snow? Not really. Uh, we got a little bit of, of fine powdery stuff and it melted rather quickly. So, yeah. 
So cocaine. Okay, got it. <laughs> See how it is. So go ahead and plug the hell out of your own self. Okay. Well, you can find me and friend me on Facebook under Bridget Fitch or stop by and read my blog at BridgetFitch2112.wordpress.com. Thank you very much. And uh, Dallin, uh, I'm, I'm going through my numbers right now. Minus nine for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, both uh, my, my Facebook feeds are saying, are you ready for snow tomorrow? Which kind of sucks because I actually do have to go out and get a couple of things tomorrow. And yeah, you know, I think I just might uh, forego the long trip that I was planning up to uh, the, the nearest Walmart, which is actually quite a ways away. You see, we don't quite do Walmarts the way we do Tim Hortons around here. Um. I just may have to go to uh, a place a little bit closer to, to pick up what I need. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've got bad news for you. Yellow knife minus 10. Positively balmy. Ain't that the <laughs> truth? Yeah. For the, for those of you that are wondering, um, we like to pick on them. Yeah. Not only that, but like for this entire winter, I have put on a pair of gloves twice. In the entire winter, I have worn a spring jacket for almost all of it because on the days when it's 40 below, I know, I know well enough to stay the hell indoors. Yeah. You know, it, it, it comes to a point like, okay, do I really, really need to go out today? No. Okay, good. Because, and plus uh, the, the place I live in the, the locale, um, the term Baldash Prairie kind of comes to mind. Uh, and not even rolling hills. I mean, it's flat. Like we're talking Saskatchewan levels of flatness here. Uh, for those of you who are uh, Canadian or familiar with the Canadian landscape, um. So when a north, bowl. yeah, when when a north wind comes blowing in here, it makes its presence known. So. Yeah, when I when I hear that, oh yeah, there, there's a north wind coming from uh, yeah the wind coming from the north, uh, about thirty kilometers an hour. I'm going to give a wind chill factor of minus. Hold on to your ass. I'm staying inside. It's a technical term. Yeah, that's pretty damn cold. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, then there's the okay. There's hold on to your ass, and there there's there's the um. Yeah, today it's going to be a minus twenty five with a wind chill factor of hold on to thine anus. Yeah, or prepare thine anus. Sorry, yes. this is this all is the part the where yes. Remember, folks, it's all about bark and ass cold. Yes, technical yeah. term for it. Yeah, past the twenty below mark, we don't give a damn. Nope. After that, it's it's strictly after that it's strictly vanity for us. Yep. You know, like how much are we suffering? I got the numbers to prove it. Yeah, and the only reason why yeah. we pick on Yellowknife is because we can. And yeah, that's a whole other thing. Well, I've been trying to say that in conversation with a guy who was from Yellowknife. That <laughs> was hilarious. Yep. One of these days, I'll find the uh, I'll find I'll find the mayor's the the mayor's phone number. <laughs> one, of the, <laughs> one of these. Anyway, thank you very much for all that you do. Like I said, yeah, I know, I know. I listen to myself on the drunk cast version. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, in all seriousness, thank you very much for all that you do for us. Yeah. And in case you're wondering, I actually polished this off tonight. 
<laughs> Naked grape. A, a bottle of Chardonnay. <laughs> okay. Well, minus the half cup I used in a recipe I cooked earlier tonight. But anyways. Yeah. Um, Are you sure you cooked it? Oh, yeah. I, I, I cooked it. That, that, that chicken was, was wonderful. It was really good. Okay. <laughs> um, you can, anyway. You can always cook uh, va a la va, which is... Va a la va, which means it's that half bottle and nothing else in the rest. No, 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 no. It was only half a cup with a couple of other things. It was a lemon chicken recipe. Really good. Anyways, uh, for myself, um, if if looking at our faces offends you, um, or you know you don't like the beard, uh, you can always check out the audio version of this over at holycrapthevlogcast.com. And for when I'm actually feeling inspired to talk about stuff that we, we actually subjects we don't broach on this show, uh, you can catch me over at inthewind.yo5.ca. Thank you, Matt, very much. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the way that you were talking about, you know, using the half cup, I'm sorry. All I, all I could hear in my own head was, hello, we're going <laughs> to have ourselves a wonderful time. I've got half a bottle of brandy. We're not going to use any of it tonight to Flambe, drink it now. Dame Edna does cooking. <laughs> actually, actually, I was thinking. Oh, oh, crap! What the hell was her name? Uh, 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 Is it Doubtfire? No. Uh, shit. Uh, actual cooking lady. The frick was her name? Oh, um, um Julia Childs. Thank Julia you. Child. Thank you. God damn! What the hell is wrong with me tonight? I can see. Uh, whatever. Anyway, long. <laughs> don't do this to me so thank you everybody for being with us uh as Dallin said yes holycraftthevlogcast.com will have all the information that you'll need for all the stuff as well as for our contact information if you'd like to send a voicemail message to us the phone number is 859-HCTV-554 859-428-554 i just recently deleted a whole bunch of phone calls on that line that were all from the same area code what? yep tax scam sorry about i that. probably no no it wasn't you it was all u.s it, well it was all north american prefixes so i knew full well yeah probably no voicemail messages and they're all from the same area code and the beginning prefix numbers two out of the three so that's what i'm thinking yeah robocalls that's, that's a lot of butt dialing. It, yeah, if only we were so lucky. That's a whole other thing. Anyway, so feel free to uh, leave us a message anytime you feel like it. Uh, we will be back again next week to talk with you guys. Uh, if there is something that you would like us to cover at any point, let us know. We'd love to. And <coughs> if, if, anybody, um, if anybody knows what actually prompted my uh, freestyle this week, don't tell anybody. Don't tell them. And um, just do good people. Too late. Hmm. I didn't name names, and I'm still not going to. And neither are you. So until the next time we get together, everybody, thank you. As always, I wish you all the peace I no longer have. I wish you the strength that I've learned. I wish you well. If you're out there with the cold in the winter, even though it's the middle of freaking April, please be safe. And of course, as always, my lady.
12 plus years on, I am still in love with you. But today, Fujin, I love you. I miss you. Dream of me. Until the next time we get together, everybody, as always, good night. You've been listening to Holy Crap, the Vlogcast. Feel free to leave a comment on the show's website at holycrapthevlogcast.com, where you'll also find links to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Google Plus pages. Theme music provided by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. On behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening.